Beware Maria. Maria talks about music, about drama, about gender, about power, about surrender, about psychology and art, about things that are fun and can be related to each other. Maria has conversations with herself and others about meaning and purpose or about eccentricity in people. Maria finds it a bit odd to talk about herself in the third person. So beware. You never know what to find here. Hello, hello. Today I'm thinking on a quote that that's been in my, on my head most of the day and says simply there's power in your weakness do you know who said that there's power in your weakness was it Osho was it Deepak Chopra it was Justin Bieber saying that I completely agree there is immense power in being able to show yourself vulnerable, to have the confidence to be able to show your panic, your neediness, your struggles. And that can be an inspiration for others too. So where's actually the power of it? There is actually some research done on this. So it's not just Justin Bieber saying it. Researcher Brené Brown has done a lot on this. And she talks about the fact that it's actually a sign of strength being able to show yourself vulnerable because you need courage to be able to destroy your shameful feelings. This is not an easy thing to do. How are you capable of revealing yourself as a vulnerable being when that vulnerability could have been used against you? Step by step. And understanding that showing yourself vulnerable doesn't necessarily mean that you are showing all your problems to people. It can be vulnerability, can be simply risking being rejected, approaching others and risking being told no. It can be setting boundaries, the boundaries that you need to set at risk of being rejected by some people. But you're not going to change that for others, are you? It can be telling other people that they did something that has hurt you. Vulnerability is not weakness. So, apart from all the studies on it, I'm very happy that Justin Bieber is saying this because it's going to reach to a lot of people. And I hope it will be understood. Will they do massively anything about it? I don't know, but I like that these kind of messages are out there in the media. And coming to that, I can't play any songs, but I did find a song. I am a classically trained musician who did some free improvisation afterwards. and has been doing other types of music. And I've never listened to pop music. And now I'm discovering and wanting to listen to what is out there. I was very rejectful of listening other styles other than what I was doing. And I think that was a big mistake, but actually... On the other hand, it gave me the time to practice what I wanted to practice and to learn what I wanted to learn. 
So maybe it's now the time in which I am more open to the world. I'm more open to listen to all different types of things, to get to know something that interests me out of it. If it's not the harmony, it might be the kind of sound. If it's not that, it could be the story, it could be lyrics, it could be the presentation, it could be the performance. And this song is called Unstable. I never heard it before, but it caught my attention because it, it says, you loved me when I was unstable. And I've never seen that very clear thing before. And I don't know if this is a story of true love, in adversity or a story of codependence, but what I know is that from the point of view for the from the person who's saying that you loved me, that is the point for me. The people people with mental health issues want to be loved most of the times before being helped or being support, like most of us do. So I have the song in front of me, but I can't play it here. I'm just going to, to sing a few seconds of it. Google it, find it, play it in your Spotify. It is nice to my ears. I like it. I, I would give a good punctuation to this song. Sometimes I think all your thing And I start to feel anxiety There were times I couldn't even breathe But you never once abandoned me that's cool. And then he says something like, I try to scare you away. I showed you the door and you adore me anywhere you wanted to be with me. I was broken in pieces and you were my peace of mind. That's cool. And Justin is there. He starts doing something like, it looks like he's sucking his finger, but actually he's putting something into his mouth. I'm not very clear what it is. He's on the... Oh, it's the microphone. <laughs> I can't see. He is sitting on the floor in a room that's looking super after-party with bottles thrown on the floor and things thrown on the floor. And then these two guys playing guitar at his side and, and he looks, like, really hungover. But he can sing. He can sing with hangover... I think I should be doing me reacting to videos, to pop videos that I've never seen before and record this to see if I understand it. You could you then tell me if I got it or not. Maria reacts to Justin Bieber. Maria reacts to Billie Eilish. Anyway. Yeah, you love me, you love me, you love me when I was unstable. Go find it, go find it, go find it, because I cannot sing any more of it. And yes, I had to do my research because I don't have Justin Bieber culture, but he appears to say that this is something that was happening to himself when he was unstable and got that support from his wife. So, yeah, we do tell our personal stories in all sorts of music, even if there is an aesthetic of it, aesthetic of depression, aesthetic of anxiety, and it's all reflected in art pieces, we have to stop romanticizing mental health issues. They are not so pretty. On the one hand, time ago, it was considered like shameful and there was a, a kind of associated stigma to say in public that you have a mental health issues. 
and it looks that now we're going to the other extreme, like it's almost a kind of desirable thing. Some people think that others would empathize with them and like uh, having anxiety or depression or uh, any other mental health condition is almost desirable. People self-diagnose when the reality of it is that it can actually ruin your life, yours and the life of those around you. Suffering from depression is not beautiful. It's something for you to get the right support. So I'm very much in favour of Justine in this and of other artists. And as good as it is that he, he got the support, he's saying that he got the support that he needed, this takes me to a very amazing partner and supportive partner of her schizophrenic husband, who is Romola Nijinsky. Romola was a Hungarian aristocrat and she was the wife of Vaslav Nijinsky, one of the most amazing dancers. She was someone who was interested in culture and in art and she did went to one of the performances of um, Václav Nijinsky in Paris in 1912 where they met and she was completely fascinated and she wanted to study ballet herself and she insisted and she she insisted to get dance lessons. Václav was a Russian ballet dancer and choreographer who is considered the greatest male dancer of the early 20th century. And when I was 23, 24, I was totally obsessed by that. I always have loved ballet and I love going to the ballet. I was fascinated when I started reading his diaries that he was writing when he was unwell. Vaslav Nijinsky joined the Russian ballets in 1909, accompanied, started by a guy called Sergei Diaghilev the impresario and they went to Paris where they did a lot of very high quality productions and most of the most extravagant and polemic uh, performances like uh, the ones of Sacre de Printemps, The Rite of Spring by Igor Stravinsky. I love Stravinsky, you know that by now. And the L'Après-Midi d'Enfant also in, in uh, 1912. One of the first ballads of the modern time that was very sexually suggestive and that caused a lot of controversy and people protesting about it. You can now find some footage, a few seconds of this ballet and it's absolutely something I recommend. So to cut a, a, a long story short, Vaslav was Russian, Romola was Hungarian, he spoke Russian, a little French, he didn't speak her language. She just speak a little bit of French and English, but no Russian. But they remained married for 37 years. So when, when this happened, the impresario, the Aguilev, was really upset at it. Nijinsky had been sexually involved with the Aguilev, in which was a case of abuse where... Nijinsky said later, years later, that he did it for the opportunities that that could open to him. Lucy Moore, who is uh, the latest biographer of Nijinsky that I know, talks about the guy went through a lot. He um, suffered from sexual abuse. He was exploited. He was bullied. It was almost a common practice, according to Lucy Moore, that the dancers of both sexes in the years before 1917 were treated uh, 
to be used by sex for the sexual gratification of the patrons. But years later, Nijinsky was able to rejoin the Russian ballets. The First World War started and he decided that he would not dance during this war and that he would never work again for Diaghilev. He started to feel withdrawn, started to have hallucinations and sometimes become violent. And then in 1918-1919, he was finally diagnosed as suffering from schizophrenia. Now, that is the diagnosis he got at this time. There have been further studies saying that maybe he would have got a different kind of diagnosis if it was nowadays. And according to specialist psychiatrists of today, his case does not fit exactly with the kind of neurological soft signs and motor abnormalities as other cases would have. His life is full with a lot of trauma that is reported in, in his diaries, and those experiences are considered major risk factors for developing psychosis and schizophrenia. His illness was aggravated by the kind of treatments that people with a diagnosis of schizophrenia were given at the time. And one of them was called insulin shock therapy, which was a treatment in which patients were repeatedly injected with insulin to induce a coma for several weeks. They were obviously doing it thinking that uh, they had some kind of rate of success in the treatment of schizophrenia. You can see in some movies how they, they depict this kind of treatment, like in A Beautiful Mind. And the kind of treatment was applied until the end of the 50s, when different kind of papers and researchers started to demonstrate that this was not the right thing to do. Patients would be very rightly terrified of going through these treatments. Today, it is possible to live with a lot of mental health conditions and live very well with them. But I hope for the future that things get better. And that maybe the treatments of today, some of them would be seen in the future like the way we see those treatments of the past. We no longer do insulin shock, but we still need to know a lot more. However, not everybody is living well with mental illness. And the first step is get the right support for you. Get a diagnosis. And what about Romola here? Um, Romola was coming to mind as the partner and the supportive partner of someone with mental health illness. It is difficult for patients. It is difficult for the family and for those who are around. Sometimes even it's difficult to stick around as a friend. And this takes me back to Justin Bieber. The thing is, Justin Bieber has gone through a lot of abuse and a lot of pressure. I'm not going to judge in this moment things that he's done or he hasn't done. I just want to pick up this fact and has had, yeah, really bad times. Billie Eilish, as a much younger star, was going through a very bad period. She talks about it. And she was saying that she was being harassed and he was, she was feeling under a lot of pressure when she started to become famous. And she didn't know if she was going to be able to cope with it. And as artists, we express how we feel in our works. It works both ways. It gives us a way to express how we're feeling and it gives people a way to connect with the way they feel when they're not happy. I personally, when I'm not feeling very happy, I wouldn't be playing happy music to myself, I would find it pretty irritating. But 
I know that people prefer otherwise. They, they want to play the happy music that makes them happy. So Billie Eilish was doing songs like Listen Before I Go. How, how much subtle can it get? Again, I can't play it. it Maybe I might just be able to sing a few seconds. Sorry, Billy, you do a great job and I like your music. Um, I hope she's not listening. I hope you're not listening, but if you do, yeah, sorry. For illustrative purposes. If you need me, wanna sing me. But a hurry, cause I'm living soon. Go listen the original. It's it's the the voice is so fainty, like I'm leaving, I'm leaving Great sound, great sound there. Oh there's so many people these days talking to me like that, as I am currently working for the NHS, supporting people in crisis. And I must tell you, I'm listening at least two people every week talking to me that I don't want to leave. What's the point of leaving? So, yeah, I, I, I mean, we, we do evaluate the risk. We know that some people is not going to do it. They feel kind of released in saying that. And other people, especially if they are men, they are at a much higher risk of really trying to take their lives. And uh, Elise reflects these kind of things very well, with her voice, with the music, with the sound, and with everything. Chapeau. I personally don't believe she's making an apology of being sad or depressed, but expressing how it feels. And that actually is okay. It has always been done. It was being done in every time of the history of music. There is another one when the party is over. Don't you know I'm not good for you? I've learned to lose, you can't afford you. Told myself to stop you bleeding, but nothing ever stops you leaving. It goes through. It goes through two octaves in just a few bars at the beginning, from bottom E to high E, and that creates a very powerful build-up. Oh, I like it, I like it, even if it's a depressive atmosphere and someone saying that maybe I'm not good enough for you. The song is beautiful. What's more about the music before we go back to our Justin and, and Billy? I like that after all these uh, songs, there is one video that I particularly like, which is called Help. And that help starts really moody and ends up with, with a glimpse of hope. And the, the landscape is one that it has a cartoon in it. Go find it. It's worth it. And I'm not going to sing anymore for, for now. This is, is something that has always intrigued me. Why some people want to boost their mood by playing happy songs when they are not happy. And others just need to listen to the sad songs to feel they connect with it. And what is the difference between one and the others? And I include myself into the second group. Like, we want songs that, that, that are just like us. 
we feel connected to something external, like if someone else or something else understands you, and it is connected to our own mood. And these can affect me when I, when I do it at a very deep level, alleviate pain or boost my mood. It is known that music can release dopamine in your brain, in the main parts of your brain. And there even is research that suggests that people who feel depressed, they can feel better after listening to sad music. The opposite effect, uh, listening to happy music. I have a friend who does that and he has his playlist, his happy list to listen when he is feeling moody. To me, that is what I call the happy clappy effect. It irritates me. It irritates the heck of me to, to listen to very happy music when I don't really feel like that. Like, it's like a bit like someone comes to me and says, hey, come on, cheer up. I just don't want to cheer up. You just want to be miserable. I want to go through it. So it's all about that. Might be that I want to listen to things that are in tune with me and I feel expressed that way through what I'm hearing. Having said that, I'm going to give you an irritatingly happy song now and I'll be back with you in a couple minutes. <laughs> if you just listen to me, I will make you happy. Just sing a happy little song. It's a funny I love it. I love, I love ironic songs. So this is a song called A Happy Little Song from a group called 41 from Pennsylvania. Adjust your playlist to whatever works for you and have a playlist or have many playlists that will help you because music does really help music. I don't want to say music heals, but it really makes a difference in many people's lives. So what happens to Justin when he sees what Billy is going through? Because he's gone through a, a lot of pressure, I understand every famous person, Michael Jackson, all these people, they all say the amount of pressure that becoming world famous is. 
and he sees these very young uh, Eilish going through stuff and how it could get and um, probably thinking on his own experiences and he wants to help. So Justin approaches Billy and he has been supporting and giving her confidence and she there are videos I can of course the all this I don't really know. I'm, I can only judge for what I can see in the media, but she's like saying that she's so grateful for all the confidence she got from someone who has gone through very similar experience as being a child star. I like to see that was a story with a happy ending. I like happy endings more than sad endings. And I also like that people, that we all get the insight of people who's rich and famous and they explain for the, from their side is not that good necessarily. So we can all have that in mind. Or using another quote, it was Jim Carrey, the one who said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dream of so they can see that is not the answer. And so they have a... A bad guy video together. I'm not going to sing you anymore. I've sung enough for today. So, yeah, is that feeling of I want to help others because I want through the same. We empathize easier and we want to give back when we have overcome issues ourselves. So that's very human to want to do. And still we cannot change others. There's always a frustration to see when a person that is close to you are not making good choices for their own mental health or not taking care of themselves. And you can see it and it's like in a movie that you know what's going to happen and you ah, you want to stop it, but you can't stop it. Sometimes you can't stop it. Yes, this is today my main idea about talking about mental health goes about the people who are around, about Romola about the guy who wants to to help the the other girl because he knows how bad it is and he and and I've been on both sides of it I've been having the issue and having people around me and I've been trying to want to help others because I've been there and it can be so frustrating and and we can't really change people what is it that we can do we we can't be there for them, we can talk to them. If they don't want the information, as far as they have capacity, you cannot try to stuff it into them. But we cannot become the therapist of our friends. We cannot become the therapist of our family members. And still, you do this only if they want it. All we can do is love them, give them our support when is needed, information that can pinpoint them to the professional resources that they need as I said before if this is wanted but it is hard so if you are one of these persons who is close to someone with some kind of mental health problem I totally empathize with you 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 can't make adults do shit that they don't want to do you can only attempt to be an inspiration for others and Maybe demonstrate with your life and with your example that there is other way to do things. Because people don't really want to be fixed by you. They just want to be loved and wanted. And this has been all for today in the week of Mental Health Awareness 2021 with Beware Maria. Me being Maria. A compendium of thoughts, art, 
circumstances, video descriptions, and perceptions. If you want to tell me anything, you can write to me at bewaremaria at gmail.com. I'm really curious to see what you have to say. Have a good week.